This is episode 66 of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast, and I'm your host, John S. Today we'll be speaking with Paul A. from Live Oak, Florida. Paul will share his experience with us as an atheist in AA. Well, hello. I'm sitting here speaking with Paul A. Paul, how you doing? I'm very good. Very good. Very honored to be here. Oh, I'm, I've been looking forward to talking to you. Uh, sorry for a little mix-up I had this morning, though, but still glad I, I got you on the phone. Um, you're from North Florida. Whereabouts are you Are you at? I'm Live Oak, Florida. Live Oak. Basically, yeah, smack dab between Jacksonville and Tallahassee. Okay, I know exactly where you are. I've been through there before. I thought, you know, what would be nice, Paul, is um, just to get to know you, if you could give us a little background about what got you into AA and then kind of talk about your um, experience in the program as um, an agnostic or atheist, however you, you identify, whatever your journey's been. Um, you want to start with with that? Sure, sure. Um, well, basically what happened was um, I was in my teens. Um, I was drinking excessively. I could not stop. Um, you know, on page 30 in Alcoholics Anonymous, it reads, you know, many of us tried in vain the different things we tried to do to control our drinking. And that, 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 that explains me to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, at the end of the end of this, at the end of the paragraph, it says, anyone can add to the list, add infinium. And sure enough, I could. I tried different jobs, geographical cures. Um, tried to do things to um, boost his self-esteem. I know I had none. And um, tried to get career, look up to people, mentor people. Um, and they weren't drinking. Just, just try my darndest to control my drinking. I just couldn't. And it wasn't until after I got arrested for DWI and then a violation of probation. And then um, I finally had to concede that yeah, I really am an alcoholic. And so, um, December 31st, 1989, we all were drinking with friends. So we had New Year's resolutions, and I, I said my New Year's resolution is to stop drinking. A few days before that was the night of my 24th birthday. I was sitting around at home, or not, not home, I was sitting around in the in this area where my drinking place was i was drinking smoking pot and i was really depressed and i was actually laying on the railroad tracks the train was coming and i was like i wanted to die and as the train was getting closer he was dude 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 i wanted to die and my adrenaline was pumping finally i had this image of um my family and friends weeping at the funeral home with a closed coffin funeral. So I got strength to get up and get, get myself up. And so I did. Right then there is when I had this, like, what I call it step zero. And that's when I had decided I wondered what the people in AA had, and I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. 
the times before I'd been in this program, I got I didn't get sober. I got undrunk for a week, a week, two weeks, mm-hmm. and then a month. I just I, I this time I really meant business. I got I got sober for realsies. I decided one of the people I had I was willing to get in with kid, and I prayed. I said, God, whoever you are, whatever you are, make me make me want what the people I have me willing to get in with kid. And then I got this overwhelming sensation, like I hear you, everything's really going to be okay. And so I walked away, and I continued to drink um, from that time till de- till December th- till the end of the month, December thirty first. And um, it was New Year's Eve. I said, that's it. I really mean business. And I hadn't had a drink since. Okay. That's a, that's, that's a frightening story. Um, I mean, I've, I've been there contemplating the end just before I called Alcoholics Anonymous. But you saw the train coming, man. That was, uh, wow. That's chilling. Yeah, actually, I was trying to see a light. I could actually see my shadow in the light of the headlight God. of the train. God. Yeah, it was that's so, amazing. When you got in, when you when you started going to meetings um, at that time, what what was your belief system? Um, I was born well. I, I was Catholic. I what. I don't like to say I was born as Catholic. I was I was indoctrinated Catholic, okay. and every Sunday I had to go to mass. Every Sunday, or else mm-hmm. I get punished. Right. <laughs> and then after I got after I came to AA, I went back to Catholic mass regularly, sometimes twice a week, it was Saturday, okay. um, Saturday and Sunday. And then I heard mass on Sundays. And then I heard daily chapel masses twice a day, like early in the morning, like 10 a.m. and then 6 p.m. Having this addictive, compulsive personality, guess what I did? I went to mass every day. Shortly thereafter, I could I read the New Testament, mm-hmm. couldn't believe every word, and I tried to be a good Catholic, as well as going to AA. So you didn't have a problem then with the spirituality of the program or the religious nature of the program? No, no. In fact, at the time, um, people say there is no spiritual side of the program. It's, in fact, as a matter of fact, it's all spiritual. Right. That's you know, what, I used yeah. to actually say that myself, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all spiritual. It's not a spiritual part. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you were okay with that then. And, and um, so how long were you um, going to meetings and working the program and I guess you were just how 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 do you approach the program at that time? And well, I would I would go to Catholic Mass on the daily chapel Mass, usually nine a.m. And then I go to my ten I think it was ten a.m. AA meeting. I was not working at the time, so I spent all my time full time just getting sober and being sober. And um, then I, I I go to the noon meeting, and then and then I'd go get some meat, and then go to the 6 p.m. Um, chapel mass, and then I go to um, the 8 8:30 p.m. meeting. I would try to go at least at least two meetings a day, and, and on the weekends it was even more. That so I, I remember one Saturday I went to like six meetings a day. Yeah, with both of you know. I can relate to that. Um, you know, in my very early days, actually, my first month or two, I was going to several meetings a day simply because I didn't have a job. I didn't have anywhere to go. And that was the, really the only place where I felt safe anyway. Um, and then even after that, um, to be honest with you, for 
a number of years, at least the first few years anyway, um, it would not be uncommon for me to go to a couple meetings a day because that was where my social life was. All my friends were there and, and sometimes we'd go out, you know, like on a weekend we might go to a meeting and then afterwards go out to a movie or something like that. So that was kind of how I was in the early on. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times we we would go to the like the eight thirty meeting, and then afterwards we'd all go to Denny's, and then we'd go to the all night pool hall. Oh, okay. And then yeah, and then then they somebody give me a ride home about one two a.m. So, at what point in your recovery did did you begin having doubts and and change your uh, beliefs? And how do you identify now, anyway? Well, right now I, I consider myself an atheist, okay. but it, it wasn't, it was kind of rocky road at first. Um, about six months into sobriety, I was invited to a non-denominational Christian church um, that was located in Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. And I felt I was love-bombed, felt wanted and welcomed. I did not have a car, and so I was only able to attend when rides could be per provided but i went back to catholic mass i would also go to this other church as well when i could but i when i went to the church i would actually go to confession at the catholic mass with the catholic priest saying i went to a different church and i felt kind of weird that i went to a different church but i could i i was hooked on this getting spirituality and then shortly thereafter, I was, I caved into a friend of mine who invited me to his, um, Pentecostal church. So I went to that, and I would go to that regularly because I was in my local town. I went to that, you know, usually on Sundays and, and, and Wednesdays. Some of the things that caused me question were things like, um, why do Catholic, why do Catholics have to go to confession if Jesus has already forgiven them for their sins? Um, that was one question. I think I remember some other questions in the Bible, like Jesus cursing the fig tree, and I was trying to figure out why would Jesus curse the fig tree? He knew it was, he knew it was not in bloom, and he cursed it anyway. And so, so that was kind of a baffling thing. But my thing, I met I met people from other faiths and denominations. I met one guy who converted to Islam, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of people were Mormon, other people with different churches. And I just could not figure out what's the difference between all these different religions. Why do they all say they're right and everybody else is wrong? Right. And that—that's that—that was the thing for me. And I would talk to my sponsor and other people about it, and they'd say, "Don't worry about it. just do you believe in God? So all you need to do, don't worry about it." I couldn't let go of that. I was—I had to keep um, wanted to know why these different people thought, thought they're they were right and I was wrong and okay. why did it, you know so and why why did I think I was right and they were wrong mm-hmm. so it was kind of a process for you where you yeah and I know people sometimes refer to it as deconversion when they when they go from belief to non-belief yeah well I come from a law background my dad lawyer my family are lawyers so I I think of it as more of a reconversion into atheism. <laughs> and the reason I say it is because we were born atheists. We came out of our mother's womb, we were atheists. Gotcha. So, then, then we're yeah. kind of taught our beliefs, aren't we? Dependent, dependent upon who our parents are and where we live and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you, when you realized that you were an atheist and you came to accept that, um, 
how how what did you do with the program at that point? Did you have any difficulty interpreting the program, and how how'd you how do you reconcile that? Um, well, it, w- it was a long process. What happened was I was about maybe fifteen years sober, and um, I was. I stumbled into, well, it was just after George Carlin died, and I heard he was atheist, and then I heard um, Rich Dawkins came up with this book, God's Illusion, and I read and I read it, but I couldn't, how could anybody not blame God? What was with that? How, yeah, and, and maybe Richard Dawkins was faking it, and he just made publicity, and then I hear some else on, on the internet podcast with atheists, and so I was listening, and somehow or another, I stumbled into a show called The Atheist Experience, put on by ACA, Atheist Community Also, and I was like, what? You know, how could these people not believe? And the Matt Dell honey was on there, and I was like, wow, I was like blown away by the, I would stay awake at night just thinking, pondering what you said, and um, and for a while, I, I would watch these shows, even though I still believed, and I was terrified of not believing, because one of the things Matt Dillon always said was, what exactly do you believe and why? Mm-hmm. And I, I had to answer that question. I believe because I'm terrified letting, because I'm terrified letting go of my belief because if I do, it might make me want to drink again. I am an alcoholic and the biggest duty I have is keep me sober at all times, no matter what. Now, and that was what kept me believing for still. Mm-hmm. Now, before then, after I was Pentecostal, I also converted to Wicca, and I was doing the Wiccan thing, and there were some questions I had about the Wiccan thing, and then I started becoming what I call a collective spiritualist or a deist, mm-hmm. where I would take bits and pieces of all the different beliefs. And then eventually when you settled into your, your, your current um, belief system then as an atheist, um, how, how was that received in AA? I mean, how did you, how did you handle your pro- the program? I can't, I read all one day, it wasn't one thing, it was just kind of, I just kind of slowly just told people right. that I was atheist. I never, I didn't write announcement at meetings at all. Sure. Now, I have done more at other groups, I'll say I'm atheist, mm-hmm. but not very often. I don't really talk yeah, about too much. I mean, much. usually it doesn't really come up as, in a, as a topic in a meeting or anything like that. But I know for myself, when I, when I got to the point where I realized I was an atheist, um, I had to kind of rethink the program. So I started talking about the um, program and sharing in meetings a little bit differently. Um, I think I'm, I'm focusing more on, you know, our, what we do rather than what we believe. And I don't, um, accept the, um, the view that you hear in meetings so often that we need something beyond human power. I think that human power is all I've got and it's perfectly fine for me. So, so sh- when I was sharing that kind of thing in meetings, I was kind of getting some pushback. Yeah. Are you experiencing anything like that? A little bit. Um, when somebody asks me, what is my higher power? I'll tell them is anthropomorphication of collective wisdom compounded by the compassion of humanity. A couple times I'll get, what is that? And I'll explain to them. Some people actually ask me to repeat that, not will. Like, wow, that sounds, you know. Um, the book also suggests, um, 
They use the media itself to their higher power. Sure. There's a group of people, sure. a group of people. Uh, well, I've kind of gotten to where I, to be honest with you, Paul, I just kind of reject the the whole vocabulary altogether. Um, I don't even use the term higher power anymore. I, I mean, I used to, but I it's it's immaterial. I, I other people help me. I get help from other people. I just keep it that simple. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily make them a power greater than myself or higher power or whatever, but whatever, you know, I'm just a human being and other people help me. And, it, and that's what makes being human worthwhile, I think. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that always get me is when I'm at meetings and, and the top is faith mm-hmm. or the other one is spirituality, which, by the way, spirituality seems to be the most ill-defined word, the human vocabulary. Yeah. I do have a problem with that, too. Um, with the spirituality, um, oftentimes when I, I hear people talk about spiritual growth or that kind of thing, I, I think um, I just replace it with the word emotional or mental health, you know, emotional growth instead of spiritual growth or um, mental well-being rather than, you know, sp- spirituality or whatever. So um, you're right. It's very ill-defined. It's very nebulous. You know, do you have some views about that? Well, I, I, I've actually had to sit down and write down and what do I define as spirituality? And it's really, neb- not really nebulous. The word I use is um, um, self-realization, self-awareness, using my, the acquired knowledge, skills, wisdom for self-improvement yeah. to better myself and to, make, to better other people, better my society, and make others happy. And that's my definition yeah. of spirituality. That sounds good. You know, this is trying to, yeah, yeah, simply just trying to better myself and better others around me. That's mm-hmm. uh, so. Do you still go to uh, meetings today, and and how are you? Um, how do you handle it? Uh yes, I still attend meetings at least two or two, sometimes three, three a week mm-hmm. here. I don't really discuss my atheism too much unless somebody asks me. Mm-hmm. I don't announce how many atheism means. Although I was feeling after listening to to this podcast, your podcast over the over the weekend, I always feel like I want to. Mm-hmm. But um, if somebody is atheist, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable because it's uh, something I don't say. Sure, sure. sure. You know, so, you, are you do you feel pretty comfortable then in the rooms? Yes, yes. Okay. In fact, in fact, all my life, um, I always felt like I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I was a little child, I was I had to ride this short bus to a school way at the other end of the county, mm-hmm. and the kids down the street would make fun of me, mm-hmm. and I felt like I didn't belong, mm-hmm. no matter where it was. And the one place I really feel like I truly belong and fit in is the rooms. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that yeah. it's kind of interesting. Um, I guess I feel that way too. Probably more so now than I did some years ago. I, I only went through a, a short period of discomfort really um, after I I realized I was an atheist and I was kind of walking on eggshells at my home group. Um, but that was a short period of time, and then I got we started these um, secular groups here, and and I'm now I'm right at home again. That's one good thing about AA that we have that right to start our own groups if we want to, or if we need to, and sometimes we don't even need to. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I heard that we have the right to be wrong according to other people. Now, yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, where I live up here, there's uh, I think I'm probably the only atheist in Swanee County. Sure. <laughs> 
Um, the, the very second question that comes out of the mouth of anybody in my area I meet is the first question, what's your name? And the second question, what church do you go to? Yeah, I've heard that. Um, that's kind of Southern culture, I guess, um, which is, uh, it's really deeply ingrained, isn't it, in the into the society? Yes. You can't reason somebody out of something they didn't reason themselves into. Right. And it's just kind of built into the way that people see the world too, and and they just they just assume that that anyone else that they meet is going to be see the world their way, I guess. Exactly, and really, I sometimes they ask what what I believe, and if they're not in the rooms, I'll just say I I am what you say I am. Let my actions, conduct, and behavior tell you what I am, yeah. and hopefully you'll think that I'm a good person. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't come up around here that much, to be honest with you. But then again, I don't have—I don't really go to uh, regular meetings either. So um, I just go to our, our secular our secular meetings. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed you. Uh, I know that you had things to do. It would have been fun to see you, and it's quite a drive for you still to Jacksonville, isn't it? It would be a couple hour drive, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, especially in a car with no air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been miserable. Yes. And I was scared to death to drive in cities, especially one I've never been in. Oh, yeah. In Jacksonville, the traffic could be crazy sometimes. That's what I was told. Well, it was a lot of fun. I I did enjoy the convention, and it was good to see um, Glenn and the other people at the group there in Jacksonville Beach. Um, Just really, really great people. And had a we had a meeting there um on on the beach um they had it was kind of interesting they have a treatment center that brings people to their meetings um and one week they bring the men and the other week they bring the women and i happened to be there when they brought the women and um it was really nice because the people at the treatment center they ask to be brought to that meeting they their preference is the secular meeting over the um the non-secular meetings i find that kind of interesting oh. Wow. Yeah. And the people at the treatment center, they're from all over the country. Um, so that's, I found that interesting too. It gave, it gave the meeting a real interesting um, dynamic, you know, because you got these people from all over the place and early recovery. And then you had the, um, some of the old timers from the group there with some long-term recovery. So it was a real nice mix of people there. That sounds great. Yeah. It's a real nice group. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if more secular meetings start up in that area. Um, I, when, when we were at the convention, somebody said that they started a group, and I can't remember what town they were from, not far from Jacksonville. Um, so, because I, I think they said the Jacksonville people helped them out a little bit. St. Augustine. St. Augustine, that's right. That's where it was. You're yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to the po- that, that, um, that, that podcast you posted. Uh-huh. What do you think of that? I loved it. I I loved it. It just makes me miss it even that much more. (laughs) It was really interesting listening to the audience afterwards, you know, um, that there are so many people out there that have no idea that there are secular AA meetings. Yeah. When I first got sober up in Maryland, um, in Columbia, Maryland, the Alano Club there was a secular meeting then, back in 91, I guess yeah. it was. Yeah. But 
I'd never been to it myself, and of course I was a theist at the time, and at the I, I was one of kind of head scratches, like, how could anybody not believe that's kind of... <laughs> Well, I kind of, I was probably like that, you know, at one time. I wasn't ever really a, a I was never honestly a very religious person. Never went to church or anything, but AA was my religion, uh, for sure. Um I I've bought into a hook line and sinker from the very beginning and maintained that for quite a while, and it really took a long period of time, slowly and gradually before I kind of um found my way to where I'm at now. The gentleman by the name Willis, and I don't remember his last name, from Berlin, Maryland. Mm-hmm. When I first went sober, he was sober like like 47 years at the mm-hmm. time. And he said it best. He said, AA is God's church for the drunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I still do it today, but I don't look at it as God's church for the unbelievers, but I do look at it as, you know, sure. a place to better myself and self-help. Yeah, that's how I see it too. It's a support system. It's a support group. You know, we're there to. It kind of remind, It's kind of funny. It's reminded me of something. Um, we at one of our meetings, um, somebody came to our meeting who had never been there before, and I think they were just a um, traditional AA person. And they said, "This reminds me." Uh, this this doesn't seem like an AA meeting. This seems more like a support group for people who want to stop drinking. And I just start laughing. I said, "Well, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> that's yeah, what AA, yeah, that's what AA is." And so I guess if you feel that this is support for someone who wants to stop drinking, then I guess we're doing our job. Well, Paul, this has been a nice little discussion. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. And again, I am sorry that I missed you this morning. But uh, I won't ever, ever let that happen again. Well, maybe it will, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, you're human, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. And, it, and what's it say at the end of how it works? We seek progress, progress rather than... Progress, not perfection. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I strive for, pro, I strive for p- perfection by settle for progress. Right, right. Well, thank you very much. I'm not sure when we're going to post this, but it'll be pretty soon. We, um, I'm, I'm going to talk to Doris here in a little bit because right now what we're doing is we're we're posting our two podcasts a month. So we do a, a podcast, a story, a podcast, a story. We kind of alternate. But I want to talk to Doris. If we're, if we're getting enough um, submissions for articles, I'd like to go back to doing the podcast every week. And that would that because that gives me that way I can post them a lot sooner. So, um, cause it looks like it would be kind of like towards the end of August if we, um, if I stay on the schedule that we're on right now, but I'll let you know. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Well, I'll continue to listen. Uh, As, as I said, I, um, I just discovered the podcast about about a month or two ago Uh and I emailed you. So that's, so that's a great timing. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad um, you like, you enjoy them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of been an interesting experience, these podcasts, because prior to doing them, I knew, I never really knew much about podcasts or ever did a podcast. But after experiencing this one, it's well worthwhile. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who learn about Agnostic AA through these podcasts or, you know, they, they've never heard um, a non-believer share their experience in AA before until they've listened to this podcast. 
and it means a lot to people to, to hear that. So what you've done by speaking here and participating is, a, is an act of service.